Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles. I'm your host, Chase Krauss. I'm very excited today. Today is the start of something new here. As High School Musical would say, I say that. I don't even know why I just thought of that quote. I, I think I've seen that movie like one time. Maybe that's a little embarrassing that I just quoted that movie. But oh well, it happened. Um, so welcome to Catholics with Bibles. I'm excited today in particular because we're starting a new mini-series on the show. Uh, so those who've been listening for a while or watching uh, knows that you know we have these kind of cycles within Catholics with Bibles. Uh, sometimes we'll study a particular book of Scripture. Sometimes we'll do- dive into various topics on Scripture that will help us read Scripture better, whatever it is. And I was giving this some thought because you know I I think I find this really important, obviously. And I always want to make sure I'm doing content that people actually care about. That's going to benefit their relationship with Christ, uh, their personal growth as you know people. Um, and so at, as I was wrapping up Galatians, I was okay, what, what am I going to do next? What are we going to talk about on the show? And so I had a few ideas over some books or over some topics, but, uh, you know, I was thinking and praying about it and, uh, you know, theology body just kept coming up and I tried fighting it because it, it is just, uh, it's just a behemoth of a book, um, man, when he created them. And it's such an intense topic, and it's a topic that a lot of people are very passionate about. A lot of people find very important, and rightfully so. It's an important uh, topic. And, and so I, what I was fighting it, though, because um, there's just no way that uh, we, we could really do it justice on the show um, without taking over, like, you know, half of the year. Because uh, for those who don't know, uh, Man and Woman, he created them. The actual book is basically just a series of Wednesday audiences that Saint uh, Pope Saint John Paul II gave um, about 131 of those bad boys. And you know, it'd be awesome to just have an episode over every single one, but that would literally take like two years, and that's a lot. And I don't want the podcast to turn into a theology of the body podcast. I'm sure they're already exists theology of the body podcast. Um, and so I want to stay true to what we do on the show, namely that we're here to study the sacred uh, word, sacred scripture and why theology of the body fits into that is because that's essentially what it is. Theology of the body, man and women created them. The book is essentially St. Pope St. John Paul II reading scripture and interpreting it through a certain lens, which we'll talk about in a little bit. You know, it kind of, <laughs> this is one of my pet peeves of mine. This is actually kind of the reason I chose to actually just, let's do it. Because, you know, Theology of the Body has been around since, obviously, Pope St. John Paul II talked about it. and ended in the uh, mid-80s. And, you know, uh, people like Christopher West uh, popularized it, and Jason Everett popularized it uh, in the 90s. And it's been growing ever since, and our understanding of it has been growing ever since. Um, but... One of my biggest pet peeves, and I'm talking y'all, this done just ticks me off as somebody who's been in ministry for, you know, doing ministry for about 10 years now, um, and somebody who grew up in the faith. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody gives a theology of the body talk, and they call it that at least, and, and they end up talking about um, love and responsibility. 
for those that don't know, uh, Carol Wojtyla, before he was the Pope, wrote a, a, an amazing book called Love and Responsibility. And in, in Love and Responsibility, it's more or less in a very simplified way. You know, Carol Wojtyla's philosophy on sexual ethics and on, on uh, sexual ethics within a marriage in particular. And it is honestly one of, I mean, one of the best books I, I've ever read on this subject um, on, you know, obviously, and, and he does a really great job of breaking open. That being said, it's a, it's a pretty difficult book to read if you're not used to academic works. Um, and a good option is uh, Dr. Ed Sree's book, Men, Women, and the Mystery of Love, which is essentially just a layman's version of love and responsibility. Anyway, it's, and it's a fascinating book. It's a great book, and it's very—it's a philosophical approach uh, to the personalistic norm, which we're going to talk about again later. But that is not theology of the body. Uh, within the book, it talks about you know making sure you uh, love somebody instead of using them. You know, making sure uh, chastity is is center and how that benefits and, and all these things. And they're very—they're moral issues, philosophical moral issues. But that is not theology of the body. That is the philosophy underneath and underpinning the theology of the body. But the theology of the body is just that. It's theology. It's the study of God while looking at the body and while looking at scripture talking about the body. And so one of the things I'm hoping to bring out of this mini series, and I'm not even sure how many weeks we're going we're gonna to take on this. I mean, at least a few. But one of my take, one of my hopes is that you take away an understanding of the difference between love and responsibility and theology of the body. And that theology of the body is truly that. It's it's our study of God. We should be learning about God through our study of theology of the body. We now the fruit of that is, you know, hopefully we grow in uh, chastity and our understanding of chastity. Hopefully we grow in our I, our understanding of spousal love and what that really looks like and, and the beauty of that in scripture. And all these things, they're fruits of that. But ultimately, it's only because we're learning more about God, right? Um, this is this is not philosophy. This is theology. Um, and so it's, like I said, I'm a little bit nervous to do it only because it's it's such a, such a heavy topic, right? Anybody who's ever tried to read Men and Women in the Mystery of Love, or sorry, <laughs> Men and Women, he created them, uh, knows it. it's, it's weighty. It's weighty. Um, and even uh, the intro alone was written by a guy named Dr. Mikael Volstein. Uh, he is uh, from Austria originally. He lives in the States now. He was the Dean of Theology, the Chair of Theology at Ave Maria. Uh, he's not there anymore. I'm not sure where he is now. Um, and anyway, so he wrote the introduction. It's about a 100-page introduction. So it's a 100-page introduction um, into, into JP2's work. And the reason I feel like I am remotely semi kind of equipped to talk about this is because the guy I studied under, Dr. John Kincaid, who's been on the show before, uh, studied under Volstein, right? So I learned from the guy who learned from the guy who basically uh, wrote the introduction to the book um, and actually translated uh, JP, JP2's words into English. So it's thanks to Dr. Mikhail Volstein that we even have this work. Um, and so anybody who's tried to read it, knows that that intro is, is not easy for somebody who's not used to reading academic text. And even when you get into the text itself, um, it can be a little bit confusing because we have to remember that these are Wednesday audiences. So it's a bit of circular in the way JP2 talks about it because he has to introduce a subject in one week and then kind of next week remind everybody what he talked about before kind of sort of moving forward, but not really having a lot of time to do it. And then that's the kind of pattern, right? It's always a 
here's an idea, I'm gonna recap it. Here's a briefly another idea, I'm gonna recap that last one. It's a very circular moving forward kind of uh, pattern. And so it can be confusing for people who aren't, uh, have never been taught how to read it. Um, and it can be a little bit, uh, it can be challenging for those who have never read academic texts before when it comes to theology. Um, but it, it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's an amazing book and it's an amazing read. And I think, I believe every Catholic should read this. So this is actually one of the things that uh, Mikhail Wolstein talks about in the introduction of the book is that this is apostolic papal teaching. Now, that being said, this is not, uh, if it's not an encyclical and it's not, you know, uh, dogmatic in the sense of if you don't read this, you're not, you're, you know, you're not in line with the Catholic church. Um, it's, it's not a, you know, an ecumenical council. Um, but the, and Mikko Wolstein talks about this in, in the introduction, the, one of the primary responsibilities of bishops and particularly the Bishop of Rome is to catechize the faithful within his jurisdiction. And when you're the Bishop of Rome, that's everybody. And so in these Wednesday audiences, they have some weight because it's the Pope speaking as a catechist, right? It's a Pope speaking as somebody who is teaching the flock. So they have, it has weight to it. So even if, um, you know, you're not a big fan of theology of the body necessarily um, for whatever reason, there's, there's aspects of theology, uh, different types of theology that I just, you know, they don't get me out of bed in the morning. I just, I don't find them very interesting. And that's okay. You don't have to love all theology to love Jesus. Um, but I think it at least deserves people looking into it and actually understanding it and not just dismissing it as something, oh, I don't need to study that. Uh, so that being said, you know, this, this first podcast is going to be a little bit shorter uh, than usual. Um, it's not going to be 30 minutes because I'm, I'm really just, I want to kind of lay the introduction of, of the book um, and then briefly talk about uh, why it's scriptural interpretation and the hermeneutic that JP2 uses. And so, like I said, it's a series of about 131 uh, Wednesday audiences that uh, Pope St. John Paul II gave over the course of, I think, oh man, I think it took him like, like eight years, 10 years. There was a period of time where he took a break um, there where he stopped doing it and then came back to it. Um, it could be longer than that. It could be shorter than that. Not important. Anyway, you just got to know that it's a series of Wednesday audiences that he gave um, over various passages of scripture, right? or very, various passages of scripture, going from the Old Testament uh, to the New Testament, and then going back to the Old Testament and finishing with the Song of Songs. And so with that, uh, he starts off, which is important for us to know, um, with this idea of his hermeneutic. So it'll, it'll take you a little bit of time to read the audiences to kind of get to that word specifically, and namely what he's talking about particularly. But in the introduction, uh, Mikhail Vostein talks about this. So namely, he reads scripture through a certain lens. And that's actually going to be our, our Greek word of the day. I didn't forget about it. Um, it. It's the word hermeneutic. That's now it's an English word, but it comes from the Greek word Hermes. You probably heard that word. It's it's he's the messenger god. So Hermes was the messenger god. So hermeneutic is uh, your lens of interpretation, if you will. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, uh, but it's it's important to r remind everybody. Um, so hermeneutic is your lens of interpretation, and we all have hermeneutics. We all have lenses that we see life through that we read the Bible through. Uh, there's some 
you know, historical critical scholars who like to think that they're reading scripture uh, totally objectively with no preconceived a priori notions and hermeneutical uh, insights. Um, but that's it's just not true. It's impossible. Um, if you're a human, you have a lens that you read something through. Uh, a quick example of this is uh, how a lot of people view God the Father, right? If you have a great relationship with your father, uh, odds are you can view God as father fairly easily because yeah, that's the lens that you see God the Father through primarily and firstly is, is your own father. Uh, but if you have a strained relationship with your father or if your father was never there for whatever reason, um, then viewing God as father might be challenging for you, might be hard for you because your a priori or your, your hermeneutic that you see God the Father through is stained or broken. And so uh, there's different hermeneutics that you can read scripture through. And there's different hermeneutics that you can read anything through. Um, and so if, just for a quick example, um, for the Catholic, the general hermeneutic that we read scripture through is that of faith, right? And what I mean by that is that well, we believe that God is, is real, right? Um, we believe that as Catholics, that Jesus Christ is true God and true man, and that he founded a church, namely the Catholic church. And so when we read the stories of the Old Testament, and we read about these miracles in the Old and the New Testament, well, our a priori assumption, that of faith, that God is real and that he can do miracles, is that if the Bible talks about a miracle, odds are it's, it's real, it actually happened. Um, now there's there's some debate and there's some ways you can kind of slice this. It's different. And, you know, is it an allegory? Is this a historical uh, event that happened? Is this literal? Is this figurative? You know, all these things. Um, but namely, as a Catholic, most Catholics, I think, generally speaking, um, have this hermeneutic of faith, right? Uh, this hermeneutic that, you know, even when you read the Old Testament, uh, that we see Jesus in the Old Testament, if you will. And this is how the church fathers read the Old Testament. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, there's uh, typological readings, namely that you see Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. St. Paul even does this, right? When with the story of Moses, Moses uh, striking the rock and water coming out, uh, St. Paul says, you know, the rock represented Jesus Christ, right? Um, and so there's, there's this hermeneutic in general that most Catholics have. Uh, that being said, um, there, the, uh, you know, Society of Biblical Literature, um, which you've never heard of it, it's a thing in, in America, it's, it's called the Society of Biblical Literature. Um, funny enough though, this society is made up of mostly atheists and agnostics. Um, and the reason because they're studying scripture as just kind of another ancient document, if you will. So it'd be like, uh, somebody who's Catholic or Christian reading the Quran, um, or reading, uh, ancient Chinese literature, like the monkey King or something like that. That's how they're kind of viewing it. And so as an atheist or an agnostic there, they would read scripture and, their a priori hermeneutical assumption would be that miracles don't exist. Why? Because God doesn't exist. And if God doesn't exist, nothing can happen outside of nature. There are no extraordinary events. There are no uh, extra natural or supernatural um, events because it's impossible because God's not real. It's only nature and only what happens naturally through the laws of physics. And so when they read the Old Testament and the New Testament and they read about these miracles, their a priori hermeneutical assumption is that uh, this is either uh, myth or there's some natural way to explain it. Um, so I'll give you one, I'll give you two, two examples of this. Um, one that um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's a cop out, I think. Um, and the other one that I think is just stupid. Um, so the first one, and they're both gonna be from uh, the New Testament. So uh, the first one 
is uh, the multiplication of loaves. When Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish and feeds 5,000 or the 4,000. Um, and so uh, there's some historical critical scholars who will put the argument in this way. It's going to be kind of a dumbed down version, but anyway, it's that um, there were, yes, there were men in the crowd and that's who uh, the gospel writers counted, but there were also women and children in the crowd. That's a test to in the gospels. And so this, the historical critical scholar with this a priori hermeneutical assumption that God's not real, therefore miracles can't happen. They, that's how, this is how they justify the miracle. They say, well, really what happened was, you know, the crowd was there and like, you know, moms are smart. They always bring food for the journey. They would never let their kids go hungry, but people just didn't want to share their food. So what happened was Jesus and apostles shared what little they had and that inspired everyone else to then share what they were hiding. That's the miracle. The true miracle was Jesus's uh, generosity. Um, and so that's problematic for a few reasons. One, the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible literally says Jesus fed everyone, right? So they are reading into, it's called eisegesis. They're reading into the text at that point because the Bible doesn't tell us that people were, were hiding food. The Bible doesn't tell us that they started sharing. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the text itself says. The text itself says Jesus fed all of them through the multiplication of loaves and fish. Okay, so that's one. Another example that I think is just dumb um, and if you ever like read or watch a history channel on like the Bible or anything like that, please just stop. Don't, it's all just a load of garbage. Um, they're all historical critical scholars. Um, but anyway, uh, one argument that I, that I also uh, read um, was that when Jesus walked on water, uh, what happens is in the Sea of Galilee, there are times when the ice, the, the waters will freeze and there's floating ice on the water. And so what happened was Jesus just hopped on one of these floating iceberg things. And then, uh, but it appeared to the disciples that he was walking on water because it was floating and they couldn't see it. It was dark and stormy and all these, and it's just dumb. And it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, first of all, once again, the text doesn't say that. Second of all, I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on ice, but it's slippery. And if there was a storm, it would be exceptionally hard to stay on that ice. Anyway, that's once again, a, 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 but that's the hermeneutical a priori assumption that God's not real, therefore miracles can't happen. Therefore, we, there, we have to find a way to make this scripture work. Okay, going back to theology of the body. What is Saint, Pope St. Saint John Paul II's hermeneutic? It's the hermeneutic of gift. So what does that mean? So he takes a line from Gaudium et Spes, church document. And the line is this, man who was the only creature that God willed for himself can only find himself through a sincere gift of self. So JP2 holds that to be true. It comes from ecumenical council. Therefore, we, we also hold that to be true, that man only finds himself through a sincere gift of self. So what Saint jo Pope St. John Paul II does is he takes that line and he uses it as a glass to read everything through. It's this hermeneutic of gift that everything is gift and that man can only find himself through a sincere gift of self. And so our journey in this life, our goal in this life is to imitate Christ on the cross who fully gave of himself. And he, he in fact uses this lens to read scripture through, but also to look at the body through, right? He looks at the body through this hermeneutic of gift, namely that 
men and women can only find themselves through a gift of selves in that our bodies are telling us this. And there's certain key scripture passages that we're gonna unpack that JP2 is gonna slowly unpack for us that he's defending this hermeneutic, right? He's using this hermeneutic to read these passages through this hermeneutic of gift that man finds himself through a gift of self. So on Catholics with Bibles, we are gonna walk with St. John Paul II through the Bible, right? Through these various passages of scripture that he's gonna open up for us. That being said, we're not gonna have time to you know, dive into every single audience. And there's, I mean, there's just so much good stuff in every single one. Uh, so I encourage you while we're reading and studying this, this text together, studying the Bible together, to uh, pick up a copy, you know, read along with us. Um, and I'll be telling you kind of what passages we'll be diving into, obviously, every single week. Um, but this is the lens that we're going to now read scripture through. We're going to follow JP2 in a reading of scripture through this hermeneutic of gift, uh, which also pre you know, presupposes the hermeneutic of faith, obviously. Um, but it's namely that man finds himself through a sincere gift of self and that you know man is the only creature in existence that God willed for, for his own sake, right? Um, and so this hermeneutical key is going to be really, really important to understand um, that namely this is what JP2 is going to assume you know while you're reading this, this text. And he's going to break it open for us, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in detail in various passages. Um, but I'm excited. Once again, I'm a little bit nervous um, just because there's so many people that talked about this. But, but my last disclaimer before we wrap up this episode is that this is not going to be a, a course on theology of the body necessarily. We're going to look at these texts in particular as texts um, with JP2. Uh, but I encourage you, if, if you really want to study the meat and potatoes of theology of the body. Um, I've heard great things about Christopher West Theology Body Institute in Philadelphia. Um, my parents have gone. I've had friends that have gone. I've had coworkers that have gone. Um, it's a week. It's a week long, um, basically retreat. And I think they're doing it virtually now because of COVID. Um, obviously, with the hopes of bringing it back. Uh, but I really encourage you to check out um, that that course. Um, I'm I'm not sponsored by them. I'm not getting paid by them. Um, and so, but I, I've heard really great things about it. Um, and I've heard a lot of people have come back. Uh, I've had like conversion experiences through through this experience as well. Um, so that that's more of a true theology of the body course. What I'm doing is walking through scripture with Saint Pope Saint John Paul II in his man and woman he created them text. Um, so with that, excited for next week, excited to to study this text. Um, time to roll up our sleeves once again and get to work. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krause, and we'll see you next time. God bless y'all. Once again, y'all, thank you so much for joining me on Catholics with Bibles. As always, if you haven't subscribed or given us a review, uh, that'd be great. We'd appreciate it. It helps people find us better on uh, Google and on Spotify and all these things. So write us a review if you have any questions or just have things you want to talk about. Never hesitate to reach out to me as well. We'll see you next time, y'all. God bless. Take it easy.